0: Pray and then jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the anointing. I thank You for giving me utterance. Yeah. Father, we all set our faith in agreement to hear from You today. Yeah. Father, thank You for your spirit of wisdom and revealed knowledge of who You are and Your Word, how we can get it to work in our lives, and I thank You for enlightening the eyes of our understanding that we can enjoy all the riches on our life that You have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're on back to the basics, part 19, and we're working on faith. This is part four. I just want to uh, read a couple things before we jump into it. Uh, what we're going to look at today. But uh, Matthew 8 and verse 5. We'll just read a couple of Jesus stories. Is that alright? I like these, man. Uh, Matthew 8 and verse 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now that's a Roman uh, captain of the guard. He's got a hundred people under him. He's a company commander. Saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I'll come and heal him. Now, did that guy ask him to? Did that guy ask him to heal him? No, Jesus just offered that up. Isn't that cool? And that's Jesus' heart that he just offered up. I'll come and heal him. Okay, so uh, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and another come, and he cometh, and my servant do this, and he doeth it. And Jesus heard it and marveled and said unto them, Barely I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So here's an Italian guy, a Roman soldier. Jesus said, he's got more faith than any of you covenant people. Now let's jump down here into verse uh, 13, because he kind of goes off on the disciples there for a minute. But then in verse 13, he said, And Jesus said unto the centurion, so he turns back around to him and he says, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, who? Who who, is the believing now? The centurion, as you have believed, mm-hmm. so be it done unto you. Right. And because he didn't really believe it, the servant didn't get healed. Mm-hmm. No, see, the very next thing said, and the servant was healed that self-same hour. So he must have believed that Jesus was going to do it. Because if it didn't, then that next statement wouldn't have been in there. Because Jesus said, see, we kind of skip over there. and we go, well, Jesus said, as you've been believed, be it unto you. And then the guy was healed. Well, I think it was on Jesus' end. That wasn't on Jesus' end. It was on the centurion's end. Did you see that? He said, as you believed, be it unto you. Okay, now go over to Matthew 9. It's not even a whole... I was just right across the page. Here's another Jesus story in verse 27. Matthew 9 and verse 27. So when in Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed Him saying, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And when He was coming to the house, the blind men came unto Him and Jesus said, Believe you that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yes, Lord and he touched their eyes and then he said according to your faith be it unto you and then their eyes weren't open because they only believed that he was able to do it they didn't actually believe that he would do it see this is where most people don't get their healing did you see that they don't receive that because he said am i able to and everybody just about everybody in the body of Christ will tell you yeah the lord's able then he said the next thing the qualifier is according to your faith be it unto you so, they must have believed that it was more than able that he actually was going to do it, and that they believed that they were going to walk out of their heel because in the next uh, statement says what? That their eyes were opened, and Jesus charged them straightly, saying, See that no man know it. But they went around and departed and spread abroad his fame, and they blabbed it anyway. This, so, he said, uh, How you ever you believe, be it unto you. However you believe. According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, let's look at one more over a couple more pages. Matthew 15 is another story. Right, yeah, but yeah. So who's who's the onus on? It's on us. It's up to you decide. Who's the decider? I'm the decider. You're the decider. You decide whether it happens in your life or it doesn't. Jesus is able, and he obviously is willing because he said right off the first one, he said, "Yeah, I'll come and heal him." So obviously he's willing. The second one, "Yeah, you're able," he said. "I'm more than able." So we know that he's able. We know that he's willing. So that Jesus did everything that He's going to do. Everything after that is on our faith, what we believe. And then look at, look at this one here in uh, Matthew 15. And uh, we'll start in verse uh, 21. Then Jesus departed out of the coast into Tyre and Sidon. Now He's up in Lebanon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out across the same coast and cried after Him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David. Now she's trying to work the formula because she ain't in covenant, but she heard that you know everybody else calls on him the son of David, so I'll call him too. She don't, she ain't Jewish. So she said, "My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil," but he answered her not a word. Now he does not sound too willing right now, does he? Because when the, the Roman centurion guy came, he said, "Yeah, I'll come and heal him." Then these other blind guys, he's like, "Yeah, or do you know, am I able?" Now this one, he don't say nothing. Crickets are chirping, right? And his disciples came and besought him, saying, "Send her away, for she cries after; she's stalking him, and he's ignoring her." And the disciples are like, "Will you send her away? She's bugging us." So he finally turns to her and he says, "I'm not sent to the lost sheep, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Then she came and she worshipped him, ha, saying, "Lord, help me." But he answered and said, It's not meat for me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, now you see, if you're born again, you're, a, you're part of the children. You understand? You're children of God. So that is your meat. This is somebody that isn't. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Now, the next statement, if she didn't will it, it would have been, well, her daughter still had the devil and this was just a waste of time. So, is it, while we're learning about this whole thing about faith, the mechanics of faith, what we, that uh, be it unto you however you believe, so if people like, say, well, I believe, God, I believe that and it didn't work, then you didn't really believe it, otherwise Jesus is a liar. Uh, Be it unto you according to your faith. Well, I put my faith out there and it didn't work. Then you didn't have real faith or else Jesus is a liar. Be it done unto you even as you will. Well, you must not have really willed it because otherwise Jesus would be a liar. All these were written in red. So, if, you know, people come to me all the time, well... I tried that. I appreciate that. But in my experience, it didn't work. Well, either Jesus is lying or you are. Because Jesus said, however you believe, that's how it will be done to you. Well, according to your faith, it will be done to you. However you will it, it will be done unto you. So, the, so this whole thing goes on faith and believing. and what, the, the whole thing hinges on that, doesn't it? According to Jesus. Because we know He's willing. We know He's able. And even when He wasn't willing... Because this lady, this other lady, she didn't have a covenant. Another, she just wouldn't give up. He finally just said, "All right, however you will." Somebody that don't even have a covenant. You mean this could work with somebody that's out of the covenant? Apparently, apparently it does. She must, for her to believe that, she must have had some kind of experience with seeing people get healed from Jesus. Why would she even come to him if she didn't know about it? Back to that investigation, remember. But without faith, it's impossible to please God believe that he is and he's a rewarder a worshiper of those that investigate and crave him she must have done some investigation and obviously she craved him because she wouldn't let him go right. till she was getting whatever yeah fine call me a dog I don't care fix my baby girl that's
1: right that's it
0: see how bad do we want it because if this is key it all depends on us it's whatever we want so we, don't, we never hear that in church really Well, God is able, if he wills, if it be your will, God. Jesus dished that right back on us. Now, if it be your will, be done to you. Isn't that what he just told this lady? If it be your will, not if it be mine. See, what we do is we're trying to shove the responsibility off onto God because it's easy. That way we don't have to take responsibility for our life because, well, it's whatever God wills. Uh Uh-uh. Jesus just said, however you will it. Which is great, though, because that means that you're in the driver's seat. Do you get that? I mean, so if you're in the driver's seat, that's awesome. I like to be in control. Okay. But, you know, at the other, same time, if it goes out of control, I'm probably going to get the ticket for the accident because I lost control of the car. Yep. So it's a two-edged sword. But the good news is that you can take control of it. All right, so um, go to our first slide up here, man. First John 5. So, For this is the love of God, first John 5 and verse 3, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now Jesus just said, According to your faith be it unto you, however you believe be done, unto it, it'll be done unto you, and however you will, that's what will happen to you. And so this says that victory all comes from the same thing that Jesus said that was in your court, your faith. Exactly. Victory comes from your faith. But look at that verse, that verse right above. It says, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments aren't grievous. Now I'm going to tell you what you just heard. I, I read something, keep His commandments, but this is what you heard in your mind. Don't cuss, drink, smoke, or chew or go out with those that do. You better keep the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses. That's what you heard in your mind, isn't it? When when I say keep His commandments, what do you think of? Ten commandments. You think of the law, don't we? We've been programmed to think of the law. Nowhere in the New Testament does God ever say keep the law. In fact, He tells you it's impossible for you to keep the law, so why would He say right here keep the law? He's not. Commandments are oral. They're spoken. Remember we talked about this before? Commandments are rhema. Keep His rhema. Wherever you see commandments in the Bible, just cross it out and put rhema right above it. Because commandments are whatever... Now see, God might, when God asks you to do him do a favor, He's really telling you, wouldn't you think? When I tell my kids, I ask my kids, Hey, will you do me a favor and take the trash out? That's not an option, really. I'm telling you, take the trash out. It's a commandment. I phrased it as a favor and in a question, because I'm being nice, but it's really a commandment. It's rhema to my kids. Same thing with God. He might ask you to do something, but really, He's not really asking. If He's asking you, there's a reason for He's asking you. Not just He's taking a survey. Oh, I just want to see if they do it or not. not, God ain't taking a survey. Okay, So, here's the love of God that you keep His commandments. Now, turn over to Acts 15 real quick. 5, because I want to show you that commands are different than the law. The law is written. That's logos. Commands are rhema. That's spoken. It's a little off the track, but you know what? This is so important because... Where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing the rhema word of God, the spoken word. It doesn't come from the law, the written word. I know we keep hammering on that, but man, there's just been so much, uh, it's just been ignored in the faith circles about this whole thing about rhema. Acts 15 and verse 5. Here's a setup. They're having a church council on whether Gentiles that get born again should be circumcised or not. I mean, no, I'm voting for with the Gentile crew on that one. Right, all right. So, but there's a they finally here's this church meeting that's going on and it's it's getting pretty ugly. And in verse five, in the middle of this meeting, it says there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. So they believed on Jesus, but they're hanging on to all that Pharisaical stuff, doing the law, not not keeping his commandments, keeping the law. Do you understand the difference? They're not into keeping his rhema. They're into keeping the law, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, written down. Big difference. Huge difference. Because it goes way beyond just the Ten Commandments that we think of as the law. There's all kinds of stuff. You want to go to sleep, just read Leviticus. That's the law. They're into keeping that. (coughs) So they which believed, Pharisees, stood up and they said, it's needful to circumcise them. Uh Uh-uh. And then they said this, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So the law and commands can't be the same thing, can they? Because they just said, command them, verbally tell them, keep the written law of Moses. Do you all see that? Because when you see this in 1 John 5, you say, well, keep His commandments, and that's the love of God. you think keep the law, because that's what we've been taught. It ain't keep the law. It's keep whatever He's verbally telling you. And I could show you if I had time the Ten Commandments were never written Till Moses wrote them down in his book. God spoke them to the children of Israel and they rejected them. They didn't want to hear Ramah. They told Moses, well, let's just look at that. We've got time. Turn over to Exodus 20. They didn't want to hear Ramah for themselves. They wanted Moses to get it for them and then Moses just relay it. Sounds familiar. That's 80% of my job is people coming to me asking me to tell them what Rhema is for them. And not just people in this church. People that know that you're a minister. They'll take up all kind of your time trying to find out, oh, you've got a connection with God. I know you hear from God. Can you hear from God for me? No. no. Then when you tell them that, they, you know, they get mad. Well, listen, i got enough problems hearing from myself. Thanks. It takes enough time off my plate to hear from God for me. uh, Exodus 20 and verse 1. And God wrote all these words... Is that what it says? No, it says, And God spake all these words, saying. So He spake them, saying. Is there any question that this wasn't written? Right? This is verbal, isn't it? Okay. I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. Did He write it? No, He said it. Thou shalt not make any graven image unto thee, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation to them that hate me or disrespect me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Rhema. Verse 7. Thou shalt not take the Lord the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will hold him not guiltless, taking away his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days shout thy labour, Do all thy work. But on the seventh day, right, blah, 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 all the way down. Verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother. 13, thou shalt not kill. 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. 15, don't steal. 16, don't be lying. 17, don't uh, covet your neighbor. Right? And verse 18. So he gets through the whole ten commandments. And all the people saw all the writings. They read the book. No, it says that all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain was smoking and when the people saw it, they ran away. They removed themselves and stood afar off and then they yell out to Moses, You speak with us and we'll hear, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. They're afraid to hear Ramah for themselves. Did you see that? Moses, just relay it to us. We got it. You talk to God and we'll hear what you say And because we're afraid we'll die if we talk to God. According to your faith, beat unto you. Good thing they ran away. Ten commandments were written. You know, we always think that's on the, You know, you saw that uh, Mel Brooks. Right? God had 15... Oh, 10. Ten commandments because Moses dropped the one tablet. So, because of that, which is a hilarious joke, we think that the Ten Commandments were written on those stones. It wasn't. Nowhere can you find in the Bible that God wrote the Ten Commandments on those tablets. Those tablets are called tablets of the covenant. It says he wrote on both sides of them, and it doesn't say anywhere what the words were, but Paul over in Hebrew says that they call the tablets of testimony the tablets of the covenant. So he's writing down His covenant. Here's Here's all the stuff that you'll get. Riches, honor, and life. That's what the covenant is, isn't it? It says nowhere that the Ten Commandments were ever written, except Moses in his book right there. So when you see this in 1 John 5, 3, keep His commandments, we shouldn't be thinking Ten Commandments are the law, right? We'd be keeping rhema. Because whatever He gives me day by day, because the Ten Commandments, ain't. I mean, if you've been in this church any length of time, I told you dump the Ten Commandments because that's not for us today anyway. What's for us? Love one another. Here's a new commandment that I give you. Love one another that I have loved you that you would love one another. What's it say about what's love? The love of God is what? Keeping His rhema. See, but we look at that and we think, oh, well, we've got to keep a checklist. But, you know, some, mm, you know, I listen to some ministers, even faith ministers, they'll tell you. Remember in Galatians 5, 6, it says your faith doesn't work except by love? Mm-hmm. They turn love into a checklist, oh, yeah. don't they? Mm-hmm. We go to 1 Corinthians 13. It's not puffed up, you don't do this, and you can't talk, and don't talk, and don't think evil. And, it, and they've turned love into the new Ten Commandments, walking in love. Right. And your faith won't work if you're not walking in love and doing that love checklist towards everybody else. Hmm. You ever heard that? Well, we get like weeks worth of broadcasts on TV about that. Turned walking in love into a checklist. Go, uh, just uh, jump back up one verse to First John five, verse two. I me mean, I'll make this statement for you: Faith does work by love, but it works by loving God. Right. Do you remember from the worship series? We're getting that love relationship going, cause Rama comes from Him. Rama is Him speaking to me. Right. If I don't have a relationship with Him. If you, Just take you. If you have a relationship with somebody, you talk to them. That's the whole thing about being in a relationship is that you have communication, right? right. If you don't talk to them, there's no relationship. Right. Uh, and the closer that you get, the more love that is shared, the more words that will be spoken back and forth, the more rhema you'll be getting. Right. Deep rhema. Intimate rhema. So walking, in, we think that well, our faith is going to work when I walk in love towards you. I'm trying to have a relationship with God to get my faith to work. Not having a relationship with you. So I turn walking in love into a checklist and think that that's going to help my faith out. And when it doesn't, then we're still like, huh? And it's work to try and walk in love to somebody else if you make it a checklist. Because it's a checklist. You can't keep it. Now you've turned walking in love into the law. Can't do it. Walking in love towards each other is a byproduct of you walking in love towards God. And what did this say? Love love towards God is what? So if you keep His rhema, which is where faith comes from, this is how how come faith works by love. Because here's what love is, keeping His rhema. Faith works when you keep His rhema. Because faith comes from the rhema. And when you do what you heard, it'll work. But you can't have faith if you didn't hear any rhema which comes from a relationship of love with God. Are you all following this? This is huge. All right. so 1 John 5 and verse 2. Here's the byproduct of us walking. How do we walk human to human, walk in love to each other? By this we know that we love the children of God. This is how we know that we're walking in love to each other. Right? Isn't that what it's about to us? This is a huge secret. Why didn't we think of this before that we looked in this verse? We could have solved a whole lot of problems. When we love God, here, here's how, how do you know you're walking in love towards the children of God? When you love God. Did it say when we love each other? No, it says you know that you love each other when you love God. Boy, that just takes the whole checklist off your back, doesn't it? If I love God, and what's the very next thing? Keep His commandment, His reignment. So here's how, And then it says, for here's the love of God that we do keep His commandment. I can walk in love towards every child of God by doing one thing. Keeping His rhema. When He tells me to do something, I say, yes, sir, and I'll do that one. I'm walking in love to every child of God. Isn't that what Jesus told me I had to do? Love one another even though I've loved you. That's how you love one another. So my commandment is to love you. Jesus, that's what He gave us. That was His rhema at that time. When I get Rhema on the fly for me day by day, I automatically am walking in love towards you even if you don't think I'm being nice. That should take a lot of pressure off you because what people do is try to guilt you into doing this love checklist and how you behave towards one another. And really the whole key of the entire thing is how we love God. Because when you love God, you're automatically walking in love towards the children of God. And when you love God, here's the love of God is that you keep His Rhema. Whew, that's easy. That takes a huge burden off me because I'm always... Am I walking in love? Am I walking in love towards that person? Am I doing the right thing? Is my behave, am I walking in love when I do this? I mean, some people are going to get mad no matter what you do. So it can't be on your behavior because what the verse 2 just said is here's how you know you love one another, children of God. That's who I'm supposed to love, children of God. Jesus said love one another. Or was you supposed to love the world? No, God loves the world. We love one another. That'll take a lot of pressure off you too. When the uh, you know Easter seals people come around asking for money, yeah. feed the children. Don't you love the world? Isn't that the Christian thing to do? No, the Christian thing to do is to love one another as Jesus loved us. That's how we love one another. Did I say that too fast? What's the Christian thing to do? Love one another. Did it say anything about anybody outside the body? Did Jesus say, love everybody? See, this is messing with some religious thinking. That's God's job. God can love everybody. He didn't put us to make, have to have His responsibility. He didn't put that on us. What did He put on us? Love one another. And this is how we know we love one another? When we love God. It's so easy. Because it's not a checklist. Don't keep the law. Keep His commandments. When you keep His rhema, you're loving God. And when you're loving God... You're loving all the children of God. Even if they don't like it. See, here's the thing. All all I'm interested in is walking in love and getting credit for it from God. Not from anybody else. See, most humans are interested in getting credit from other humans. Am I walking in love? I don't give a rip. Because if you did, you probably wouldn't keep His commandments. This is huge. Huge. Because your faith works by love in Galatians 5.6. And according to our faith, be it unto us. And this is the victory that overcomes the world is even our faith. So when I tie all that up, it all comes back to am I loving God? And here's the love of God that I just keep His rhema. Because there's nowhere in the New Testament that ever tells you to keep the law. In fact, it tells you the law ain't for you. It's impossible to keep the law. If you try to keep the law and you mess it in one spot, you're guilty of blowing the whole thing. But He is telling us right here, keep His commandments. So commandments can't be the law. It's got to be raiment. It's spoken. When God tells you, hey, will you do me a favor? Yes, sir. And then what? Now I'm loving God. And because I'm loving God, then my faith can work. Because faith works by love. And I'm also walking in love towards all the other children of God, so now I can be in the spot of according to my faith, be it unto me. This is good. Huge. Because it takes away all the pressures of outside of human to human. Am I walking in love with so-and-so? Because you could be walking in love. They'll think you're walking in love to them and doing the same thing. There'll be two people sitting there, and you've got the same conversation with two people, and one of them will be like, yeah, I love them. They're walking in love towards me, and the other one will just be all twerked at you, and you're not walking in love towards them. Now what? Your faith can't work? Well, that doesn't seem too fair, does it? That my faith... Wait, I thought it was according to my faith, be it unto me, not according to whether they gave me credit for walking in love to them or not. Because a lot of people... They'll get mad at you. So what? All we're interested in is having credit with the Father that I'm walking in love towards Him because He says when you love God and you keep His commandments, you're automatically walking in love towards all the children of God. Hallelujah. So easy. Well, Andrew, why is that a big deal? Because the whole thing works. Our faith works when we walk in love. And a lot of the devil will tell you, you're not walking in love. That's why it can't work. This is a lie that will try to get you off your faith. And to keep you from trying to believe, because according to how you believe, be it unto you. If they can, if hell can trick you into thinking, you know that little exchange you had with so and so, that didn't go too good. You weren't walking in love. There's no way you can get healed, because you weren't walking in love. We've been taught that. That's not what this. That's not what the Bible says. Does it? Hell, will try and twist that. And now, I don't know if I. Deserve to be healed, or can I believe that I can get healed? Because you know, I might not have been walking to love to so and so. You know, and according to my. Well, I'm not. See, so what he does is he'll try. If everything hinges on your faith and what you believe and what you will, hell's only tactic is to keep you from believing it, to keep you from having real faith, and to keep you from having the will to do it. Remember, the battlefield is up here. Remember our little face sheet? Thoughts, imaginations, and strongholds? That's where He's going to play you. This is a big red flag. You weren't walking in love. You know how you acted. Wait a minute. I'm doing God's... Wait. This says that I, I, I love everybody. I'm walking in love towards everybody if I love God. And here's, here's the definition of loving God. Keep His rhema. Keep His rhema. So when you do what God asks you to do, there's going to be people that will be mad at you. It just it, So what? Was there people mad at Jesus doing what God told Him to do? Just a little. They killed him. See, that proves out the whole thing. Jesus kept whatever raiment God gave him. No matter how mad all the religious people were, and they even went to kill him. And they did. His faith didn't stop working, did it? He still walked on water. Healed everybody. Got money out of fisher's mouths for his taxes. Right? So if it worked for Jesus, and as Jesus is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4.17. There's our example. We just dust off a whole bunch of religious junk. And that's in, you know, charismatic word of faith circles, this love checklist. Listen, God never, ever saddles you with a checklist since Jesus has been raised from the dead. Jesus did the checklist, so you don't have to. If you have to do a checklist, then what he did was a waste of time. Did you understand? But hell, trying to get you to feel guilty or whatever because you didn't keep. And if he could get, so he okay, I couldn't get you on the Ten Commandments checklist. So I come up with a new one. We'll call it the Ten Commandments of Love checklist because what he did is turn walking in love into a Ten Commandments checklist. And then people be fretting about that. And now you can't. Now you can't receive because you're really not believing it, and you're not in faith. We all following that. All right now. uh, Mandy, shoot ahead a couple slides to Romans 14. Let's go to Romans 14. Those are all review, but this one's important. Romans 14 and 22, because I want to keep driving this one home. It says, hast thou faith? Share it. Is that what it says? Have it to yourself before God. Remember that? Don't share your faith. You well, know, You try and share your faith. People will knock you down. They'll tell you you're an idiot and some of them will even get mad at you. Oh, yeah. And then, then they'll act like you ain't walking in love to them because you're believing for something. Were the disciples too happy about that lady who was coming in faith to get her daughter healed? Lord, send her away. She's bothering us. Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in anything which he allowed. He that doubteth is damned if you eat or do anything, whatever you do, if you doubt, you're damned because you eat or do anything that is not a faith. For whatever is not a faith is sin, or you're settling for less. So here's the here's the rule of thumb: if you don't know that you know that you know that God is giving you a commandment, just wait. And that what this is this is what's telling you, because if you're not sure whether He's telling you, because the other one said keep my commandments. Well, how do we know you, you know? Because He says in Romans ten seventeen that you're going to hear and hear and hear, and hear the of Word. If it's the of Word today for you, it'll be the of Word tomorrow. Some people have been 20 years since they got a of Word because it's the same one that they didn't do 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. He ain't going to give you a new one until you t- take care of that one. Wow. Okay? So if you're having trouble hearing from God, you might want to like think back, when was the last time that I you know, heard from God, did I do that one? I mean, yeah, I did that one. What was the next one? Did I miss one? Ask him; he'll tell you it again because the rainbow didn't change. Okay, but if you're not sure, you don't want to jump out on that command because if you do, he says things doomed to fail. So just wait. God is not in a hurry; we're in a hurry. It's our culture, right? It started, it just kept, exponentially gets faster and faster. Used to be like Domino's would give you a three free pizza if they didn't get here in 30 minutes. Now you go to like the drive-thru and there's like a clock going. And if you don't get your meal out in three minutes, they're going to, you know. You, you ever seen that? The McDonald's clock is going. How long it takes from the time you order to the time you get. Faster and faster and faster. I want 30-second microwave popcorn. I'm tired of waiting three minutes for popcorn. It, faster, faster, faster. Everything instant, instant. Now, 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 now. Right? I can't have dial-up internet anymore. I want broadband. I don't want to wait for the thing to go beep, beep, shh, right? I just want to turn it on and get my downloads. I get mad when my email firewall is like scanning an attachment because it's taking five seconds. The thing then go doo-doo. I want it to go doo-doo right now and see who sent me the email. You do too. Don't look at me uh-uh. You see the bar and then it's stuck and it's scanning the attachment and scanning and scanning and waiting. You're click, 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 click. Scanning and not responding, not responding, not responding. Don't send, don't send, not responding. Right? Because now, 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 I want it now. Don't. Relax. God's not in a hurry. He's been at it a long time. He, if He's telling you, Rhema, now don't be on the other extreme and wait 20 years before you do it either. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As soon as you know that you know, because be, this what happens is people with this 20 years, they make the choice. They know what it is. They decide they're not doing that one. Hmm. Well, you took yourself out of it. But when you know and you're sure and now I know, I, you know what, I can't get away from this anymore. Now we can move ahead. And whether it's a business deal, whatever it is, Whatever it is, do I move here? Do I move there? Where do I go to school? What do I do? You know, what job do I take? Should I walk? What do I do? Is this, a, you know, should I take this loan for the, you know, refinance this, pay off that? What do you do? Or oh God, I need some rain on this. I'm not sure, and I know that you said that if I'm doubting, that the thing is doomed to fail. So I'm just going to wait. Well, but that's hard because there's pressure. There's time crunches in life, isn't there? So here's here's the here's the thing for us because we know we have to live in real time, it's important that you spend the time so that you can get Ramah on the fly. You're not going to have that relationship. You know, I have the relationship with my wife where I can get a hold of her no matter what. She answers the phone. We text each other. If I need to get Rama from her on the fly, I can do it 24-7. Maybe not so much you, Sam, because you might be at work when I make you the call, and I don't know your schedule, and I don't know where you're at, and I don't know... because I'm not as close to you as I am to her. So it might take me a couple days to get Rhema from you. Do you follow this? This is what this relationship with God is. So I want to build the relationship with God so I can have instant communication with Him. We can IM or text each other, whatever it is. So it's important on the, every day that I'm building on that relationship. That Remember coffee talking last week? We're at kitchen table time with God. Even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, 10 or 15 minutes in the night, sometimes that's all I get to see Kimmy you and know. That's all we'll have together is 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, 10 or 15 minutes at night, and we're running all day long and, and you know on the fly with the cell phones. or you know, No intimate time except maybe 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, 10 or 15 minutes at night. That's all God's asking you for. Day and night, just throw some time and build that relationship so that in real time you can get Rama, so that you won't doubt and be doomed. Isn't that good? That is good. But it takes some time. No one ever taught me. Man, I could have saved myself so much. You know, I've been taught walk this out and go to. If you're not sure, don't go. Yeah. Don't walk it out. Just stay put. There was a time we were um, going up to see some friends in New York City, and they told me MapQuest. It that was a disaster.
1: Yeah.
0: And this was like I don't know, back in like the late 90s when MapQuest was just coming out. Instead of on Long Island, I ended up in, in Spanish Harlem. It was at night. But you know what happened? I wasn't sure where I was going. They weren't either, so they didn't really give me directions. They just told me, quote, MapQuest it. And instead of doing my due diligence of getting a real map and getting their address and finding it, I tried to go off this MapQuest stuff. I would have been better off taking the time to find out where I was going before we jumped in the car and drove five hours north. And then lost in a dangerous situation. and go, God, how could you let this happen to me? It could have been really bad, except that I was a federal officer at the time, and I found an NYPD station and walked right in, identified myself, and got an escort to where I was going. At least get me across the bridge in the right direction. But we could have saved her. I mean, Drew, he's a baby. He's crying. I want to go home. I don't like these cars. He's like two and a half years old, Michaela's age. just freaking out. We don't know where we're going. We're driving. That's how a lot of people live their life. Don't really know where they're going. So according to uh, your will, be it unto you. If you don't know where you're going, how could you will where you What's your will? What are you believing? What are you believing for? What is your faith? What do you will? We're just all... And find yourself in Spanish Harlem. Yeah. And then go, how did we get here? God, I can't believe my life's like this. How could you let that happen? Don't try and throw it back on God again. He, remember, Jesus said, it's, a, it's your responsibility. You're in the driver's seat. So if you doubt, you know it's going to be doomed. Okay? And again, I have so many times in my life where I knew I shouldn't have done something, and you do it anyway, and then it goes south, and you go, I knew I shouldn't have done that. Did that ever happen to you? Yeah. happened to me. All- and then, you know what? The worst part is, I end up paying a price for that for like years. Absolutely. I'll get myself into a deal, and it'll be years trying to undo it. I'm still in the middle of trying to undo some stuff, and I don't really see it. I mean, unless, you know, the Red Sea parts and a miracle happens right now, you know, but I can't count on that. You can? No. Jesus said, according to my faith, not according to his miracles. If you get a miracle, that is fantastic. You can't live there, though. Where you've got to live is in faith. Getting rhema from God, doing that, and then getting. And sometimes it takes a little while to get the ship turned around and on the right track and leave port and get. Especially if you're in the wrong port. Could be a while, but I mean, we're in the wrong part of the planet. We've got to turn this thing around and, you know, hurricanes to go through. God, how come I'm going through storms? I didn't tell you to put the ship down there in that port. I told you to come over here. Not helping anybody. Because this is in life. This is this is the kind of stuff that'll get it. And then we'd be like scratching our head and being, like, what's going on? And it also, what well, we missed it with, we doubted somewhere. Because I, I, what Jesus said is, according to your faith, be it unto you. If you believe, be it unto you. However you will. So if you. The only way it can fail is on your end. You must have doubted somewhere. You must have waited. You must have had a check inside here. You definitely didn't have Raymond to go there because God don't set people up to fail. Amen. Hallelujah. Sick of Yeah, All right, that's good. All right. Um. I'm way. Off. I don't even. Whatever. That's hilarious, isn't it? Alright, go to, go to Romans 10.17 because we've, we've been talking about this and talking about it. I want you to see it and if you have your own Bible, I want you to write in, if you haven't already, that word rhema. Hallelujah. Romans 10.17 says this, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that word is rhema in the Greek. So your faith comes by hearing the spoken Word of God. Now, if you fail, if you don't have this two-way communication going with God and you didn't do the Hebrew, but you still I heard people going, well, I've just put my faith out there for this. You ever heard that statement? I've made it. Dummy. Y'all can just not amen on that one. But what will happen is, is you didn't get Rhema, so you don't if you don't have Rhema that you know that you know that you know that you had Rhema, that you heard from God, that you didn't doubt, you can't have faith. Is that that we all seeing that? Am I hooking that together? Now what the Bible calls is, what Paul calls it is unfeigned faith. It's real faith. Not imitation faith, it's unfeigned faith. Which is that's what we're trying to shoot for, because if we have real faith, that we don't doubt that when it's crunch time and it hits the fan, we're not going. Well, did I hear from God? Because if you're not sure you heard from God, when everything you know comes hits the fan and crunches in on you, you'll be very likely to just go, "Well, I didn't really hear from God. I'm not sure if I heard from God. Maybe I missed it. Well, I'm out of here on this one." And then that whole thing fails. Okay, so look at this over here in First Timothy, chapter one. I want to look at this unfeigned faith and fake, fake faith and real faith. I think I have a slide up there for that, man, somewhere. Yeah, go to the next one. There we go. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. It says this Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions. And let's just stop right there. Everybody know what a fable is? It's just a story. Okay, well, it says endless genealogies. In the Greek, it actually says spiritual pedigrees. Did y'all follow that? Now, I don't want to say any names to give you spiritual pedigrees because people think I'm taking shots at them. Think of any big ministry families. Any of them. Their whole family, you know. And then they'll tell you their pedigrees. Even if it's somebody that's not in the family, but they sat under somebody and that they're their little, you know, sidekick or whatever, and then they've got blessings and, and Spiritual pedigrees, like Elijah and Elisha. Elisha's spiritual pedigree was I was Elijah's boy. Now, I've got a double portion of the anointing. Do you follow me? He said, don't give heed to that or their stories. You can't bank on somebody's stories for faith. And you can't bank on their spiritual pedigree. we got some stupid thing in the mail this week from a big-time minister that said some junk like, your ballot, because it's voting time, is your seed. And if you don't sow your seed then you've sown it to the enemy.
1: <laughs>
0: so if I sowed my seed, if I didn't sow my seed, I did sow it, but I sowed it to the enemy. It's just stupid. But they put it all over the cover of this magazine that they put out. Big article on it. That's stupid. I mean, people will try and get faith, hook their faith onto that. Because oh, yeah. of the spiritual pedigree, and it's a fable. And then, they're thinking, well, if I don't sow my seed, then I'm sowing it to the enemy. And they'll carry that through all through life. Whether it's their money, whether it's love, whether it's, you know, whatever, agriculture. So if you didn't plant your corn, you're telling me you planted your corn to your enemy? That doesn't even make sense. But well, people are the hook on it. He's, he's, he's warning us right here about this. He said, don't give heed to fables, stories, or spiritual pedigrees, which minister questions. Why do they minister questions? Because when it doesn't work and you hung your faith on some guy's story because he's so and so, he's the prophet. He's bishop, so-and-so, whatever. And you hear him say, this is how God told me to do and it worked. And then you try and imitate it. And then it doesn't work. It'll serve up a bunch of questions of why didn't it work for me. Right. I know. I spent a lot of years in that you know pig pen, mired in the mud. How come I can't get this thing to work? Because I heard so-and-so, who's obviously an authority on the subject, tell a story. And he told me what rhema was for him. But he didn't teach me to get rhema for myself. What he taught me to do was just do what he did. And then it didn't work, and then I'm asking, well, how come it didn't work? Paul says it right here. Don't do that. Don't pay any heed to that. He said, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, do that. Now, the end of the commandment. Oh, here we go. What's the end of what's the commandment? Rhema. Here's the end result of Rhema is what? Charity or love. That's agape. Well, that sounds a whole lot like what John said. He said, when you love God, you keep his command, you keep his rhema. He said, the end result of you keeping his rhema is love. There's the other half of that equation. Out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. It's not fake faith, it's real faith. So, what's that telling me is that fake faith comes from listening to stories from people who have spiritual pedigrees and then trying to hang my stuff on that instead of getting the commandment for myself. do y'all see that? He said, from which some have swerved. Some. Please, Paul, you're being generous. The vast majority of people have swerved from keeping the commandment and went with fables and spiritual pedigrees. And you know what? Ministers don't want to talk about that because we all want to build up our own spiritual pedigrees so we can you know, do good in life. Bios. You know, pay my bills. Stuff like that. Stroke my ego? Oh, I'm yes. You know, you need to listen to my stories. No, you need to listen to what God's telling you. So I don't tell a whole lot of stories. Mm -hmm. They're good to illustrate a point now and then. They're good entertainment. You can't get faith from them. They're just stuff that happened in my life. We want to have story time? Come over to the house someday. We'll sit around, drink coffee, and have story time. It's not appropriate here because what we're we're trying to do here is get the Word to find out how we can get Ramah so that we can have faith, and then according as our faith be it unto us. That's what we're trying to do here. He said, For some who some having swerved have turned aside to vain jangling. That's called faith confessions in the word movement. You confess this and I confess that and I confess it's ineffective. That's what vain means. It's ineffective, blah, blah, blah. You could say, Well, I'm just, you know, so-and-so said, if I say it a thousand times that by Jesus' stripes I'm healed, I'll get healed. No. If you don't believe it, if He hadn't breathed rhema on the inside and it came alive on the inside, where's your little process sheet? Hear the Word preached. Thoughts, imagination, stronghold, worship, love relationship. Rhema. It's real. Jesus took stripes so you could be healed. Now you can have faith. Now you'll say what comes out of your mouth and it's not ineffective. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. You're not just vain jangling, blah, 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 imitating what you heard. That's fake faith imitating it. Look over in Hebrews... uh, Hebrews 11. In vain, right. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't be ineffective when you use the name of Jesus. It has nothing to do with saying, gosh, golly, GD, or any of that. See, what happens is us in covenant, when we take the Lord's name in vain, we're saying, I'm God's kid. You're taking His name. Covenant. Remember we changed names? I'm Andrew God. That's my last name now. And then I live an ineffective life. I have taken God's name in vain. I took His name in that covenant process. We exchanged rings just like in a wedding. If Kimmy and I, we got married, and she took my name, but then she wasn't my wife really. She didn't really live with me, and she wasn't really faithful to me, and we didn't. Have, she would have taken my name in vain because she ain't not really uh, Kim Whitman. She'd still be whatever she was before. Kim Westover. Same thing with us. When we enter into covenant with God and we take His name and you live an ineffective life, there's most of the body of Christ that's taking His name in vain. It's ineffective. They live an ineffective life. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But it's true. But no, really, it actually does because it all hinges on this faith because if you don't take the time to have this covenant relationship with them and hear that rhema, your life will be ineffective and then you'll be named... See, that's what people say. I don't want to be a Christian like Christians are in the world today. i got enough problems. I don't need yours too. And whoever your God is that's making you sick and beating you down and dragging you through the mud and making you suffer, till you all get to heaven. Why would you serve a God like that? We all have enough problems; we don't need more. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so Hebrews eleven, we're talking about this fake faith business. Hebrews eleven and verse twenty nine. Now y'all remember like Charlton Heston with the Ten Commandments and the Red Sea and parting and whoa, and he had the beard. And the, do y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Burning Bush. Do you remember? It? Huh? You don't? Mandy, you never seen the Ten Commandments? All right, we're going to have to have like a video party or something. Dude, Charlton Heston, you know. All right, so anyway. Children of Israel are going through the Red Sea, and here come the Egyptians behind them. Verse 29 of Hebrews 11. By faith, the children of Israel, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Now, what was the rhema for the Ch- Israelites? Go through. What was the rhema for the Egyptians? Let my people go. He told them like 10 times, Let my people go. No, let my people go. No, let my people go. No. What they did is it worked for them. Here's the Egyptians. The children of Israel going through the Red Sea. Now, look, you know what? I ain't never seen nothing like that. And even if God told me to, I'd still be going, I don't know. I ain't going through two giant walls of water. I know they're doing it, but you know, hey, shh. Uh, you, You understand? I've seen people bungee jump too. That do not mean I'm getting on the court. Really? <laughs> what were these guys thinking? Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were trying. That's the word of saying. means attempt or try to do. Go a couple. I think I have that slide up there, man. There it is. Here's a rule of thumb for faith. Trying is dying. They all died. Didn't they? Listen, if you, here's the whole doubt thing again. If you're not sure, don't do it because it's doomed to fail. Here, they weren't sure. They were going to try it. They were going to attempt to do what somebody else did. They were following a spiritual pedigree in a story. I heard Moses' stories. You know, he's God's man. If Moses could walk through there, I could walk through there. You know, God's not a respecter of persons. I'm going through there. You died. How'd it work out? Not too good. Rule of thumb. Faith. Rule of thumb. Trying. Is dying. It goes along with doubting. It's doomed. You can write it on your hand. If you're just going to try something, don't. That's what people tell me. Are you coming to church on Sunday? Well, I'll try to be there. You ain't coming. I used to say trying's lying. But I looked at it. In the faith circle, where you're operating in faith, trying is dying. You will die if you try. Now, we might not like, die immediately. Listen to what happened with Adam. Remember in Genesis when he ate the the fruit? He said, in dying you will die, or you will die, die. Spiritually, he died instantly. It took a thousand years for his body to catch up. That's faith in reverse. But what we see in that principle is what happened spiritually happened instantly, and it took a long time for it to show up physically or naturally. Same thing with faith. Whatever you're believing for, Getting ahead of ourselves. But whatever you believe for, spiritually it will happen instantly. Like when you're believing for healing in your body. By Jesus' stripes I've already been healed. Instantly I'm already healed. Take it a little while for my body to catch up and to show up naturally. Just like with Adam, he died instantly spiritually. It took a while for it to show up in his body on the other way. Trying is dying. Don't try it. You do or you don't do. What was that, Yoda? Remember Yoda from You either do or you don't do. Because uh, Luke's guy, he's going to try and get his little uh, jet out of the swamp. You remember that, his little rocket ship? He's like, Well, I'll try. Yoda said, No, you do or you don't do. That's what this verse is saying right here. The Egyptians were a saying to do, they were trying to do. And couple that with First Timothy 1, where it says, Don't have fake faith, have unfeigned faith. I mean, you're sure that you know you got rhema and we're going ahead, full speed ahead, then we're going to get it done. Not, I'm going to try. If Kimmy and I tried to start a church, it would have been going long before now. Well, we'll try it. I, mean, I would, it would have left about three weeks after it started. Well, this didn't work out too good. You know, when we were down to like three people. Which we're looking like we're almost down to three people. But so what? Right. We're not trying to do something. We are doing something.
1: Absolutely, amen.
0: Same thing anything that you do in your life. You don't try to get healed. You get healed. You don't try to get out of lack. You're out of lack. We don't try to get your bills paid. We pay them. Because you know what? Jesus paid the price for all of our bills to be paid. It might take some time for it to catch up in the natural just like with Adam. even though that was in reverse. If something bad could take a while to show up in the natural, how many know something good will take a while to show up in the natural? Well, you guys want to keep going or no? Mm -hmm. All right. So turn over here. I want to get that's that's the first rule of thumb of faith is trying is dying. Let's look at another one. Let's go to Mark 11. Y'all know this. We're going to look at some mechanics of it now. You all right, man? You man. I don't think I have a slide for Mark 11. Yes. Mark 11. I'd say let's start in verse 12, right? So on the morrow, when Jesus, Jesus and the disciples, they're coming in from Bethany, they were hungry. So it's in the morning, and he's commuting into Jerusalem. He's going to work from the suburbs of Bethany. It's about a mile walk. He forgot to get his Pop-Tart, right, and coffee. So they're walking, because I guess they were rushing out the door. The alarm went late, whatever. So he's on the road, and now he's hungry. And um, Starbucks was closed, so but he did see a fig tree. Hmm, since he forgot his Pop-Tart. Verse 13, "...seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves..." He came, if happily, just in case. He knew it wasn't the time for figs, but he's hungry. Let's go check it out. You mean Jesus didn't know? Apparently, he didn't. Because it said, if happily, he would find some. Well, that'll blow you thinking, won't it? Did you see that? Okay, so if happily, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found that there was nothing but leaves, for the times a fig was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto them, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter Forever. And his disciples heard it. Alright. Right. right. You, all right here, here it is. This is what happened to Jesus, okay? They got a late start. He's hungry for McDonald's breakfast. He thinks breakfast is over at 11. At 10.35, he walks into McDonald's and they say, now we stop breakfast at 10.30. No man eat of thee hereafter. <laughs> and then the next day you come back and the McDonald's is closed up, out of business, boarded up. See, that's, this is what happened. I'm just transporting it to our time. You ever been in a McDonald's? Oh, oh, breakfast ended five minutes ago. You ain't got one laying around back there? I know you made <laughs> some extras. Right? See, that's what happened. Because you don't know. I mean, just happily, just in case, they might have had one left over. But no. But Jesus said, All right, no man eat of you hereafter. He just put the McDonald's out of business. I'd hate to have been that franchise owner. I'd have found them a biscuit.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? That's what happened with this fig tree. In verse 15, and when they came to Jerusalem. Jesus went into the temple and he began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and he overthrew the money changers. Oh, yeah, and see, so not only did he like shut down McDonald's, he went and like kicked everybody out of the temple. This is what he's whipping up and throwing. Whew. Jesus is angry when he gets hungry,
1: ain't
0: he? <laughs> Woo! You don't want to start out your day missing the Pop Tart and the Starbucks, man. Because look at this. Is what, he said, Oh, I ain't having any of this. I've had it up to here. No biscuits. And, and now you're in the. No, that's it. And then he throws them all out. But Jesus is nice. Oh, okay, ask those guys. He said and he would not suffer that any man would carry any vessel through the temple. Well, what about the you know, the construction crew on that new wing over there? They had to leave their, you know, Coleman coolers. Apparently, nobody could bring anything into the temple. Jesus wouldn't let anybody bring anything into the temple. Well, he was busy, wasn't he? Angry man. Get the man a biscuit or something, please. So, right, so then he when he got that all squared away, Then He taught them, saying, It is not written that My house will be called a house of all nations, a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they figured they were trying to think how they could destroy Him, for they feared Him, but all the people were astonished at His doctrine. i bet they were. You know, that would have been an uncomfortable moment in church. Jesus come in and start turning stuff over and kicking people out. He was kicking people out. Right, He did. He didn't ask them. He told them, get out. And when even was come, so that was a hard day at work, he left the city. Well, boys, let's go home. All right, so then the next day, they're coming back to work. Okay, And in the morning, they passed by and saw the fig tree was dried up from the roots. McDonald's was all boarded up, shut down, and it, only, it took a day. Now listen, if it took a whole 24, now Jesus made everything, you understand that? I mean, right. He's the Word, and the Word made everything. Everything that was made was not made except by Him. He made the fig tree and it took 24 hours for this thing to shrivel up and die when he told it, die. If Jesus, the one who made it all, had to wait 24 hours to see some results, why are you getting your uh, britches in a wad if you don't see something in three minutes? Well, I spoke to it and those symptoms didn't leave. Jesus made the fig tree and still it took 24 hours for the thing to die. Well, I talked to it and it's only it's been, you know, How long long have you been fighting those symptoms? About 20 minutes. You think about that. It took Jesus a whole day, and He's the one that made the thing. We might have to fight a little longer. Are we above the Master? No. So and Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. Now wait a minute. All Jesus said was, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter. Peter said he just cursed the tree. He didn't say he cussed the tree. He said he cursed the tree. Did you see the difference? Because here's what some people think, that you curse the tree. You GDSOB tree, I can't believe that. No, Jesus just said, no man eat of you hereafter. That was a curse. Did you see that? He didn't cuss the tree, he cursed the tree. So when James said you shouldn't have blessing and cursing come out of your mouth, listen to this. Blessing and cursing come out of your mouth, because what it is is you'll say the evil list five seconds after you just said the good list. The evil list is cursing. Not cussing, it's cursing. We get that, oh, I never curse. No, people curse. It's in their nature. It's called sin nature. We automatically are predisposed to say the evil list. That's cursing. apparently there's some times where it's appropriate because Jesus cursed the tree. That tree didn't do nothing. Did it? It it was the wrong place at the wrong time when Jesus was hungry. See this? Well, I thought, that's just not walking in love towards that fig tree. (laughs) Really. Apparently it is because Jesus was without sin. So apparently it's okay to have a bad day and curse something that's in your way. Well, you all go home and think about that one for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I ain't never heard that taught in church, did you? I'm just reading the Bible. Is that not what happened? It's exactly what happened. And then Jesus said, well, you know, you boys shouldn't be cursing fig trees like that because, you know, that's not good. I, I made a mistake there. Is that what Jesus said? No, He said, have faith in God. Or it really says, have the God kind of faith. Or literally in the Greek, it says this, have God faith. Yeah. What kind of faith? God faith. You mean it was God faith for Jesus to get mad at that tree and tell it, don't eat it? He shut down that McDonald's and that was God faith? Apparently, that's what Jesus just said. Isn't it? For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, not doubt in his heart, he'll believe that all those things that he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, we could spend a month of Sundays on that, but notice this, that you didn't doubt. Did you see that? He said you don't doubt. Because if you doubt, you're damned. Doomed. Did he say that? Trying is dying. He said, no, you, there is no doubt. You have whatever you... He didn't say, try to talk to the tree. He said, you just say whatever it is you're going to say. But we know this, that faith comes from Ramah. You I mean, he couldn't have cursed that tree unless he heard from God, go ahead. Because Jesus said, I don't do anything unless I hear from my Father. He must have had the go-ahead sign down inside here somewhere. It must not have violated his conscience to tell the tree die. Remember that from that conscience series. They get a check down in here, and uh, you know the stop sign, the go sign. Where, you know, you can know. You know when uh, that's the doubt. If you're not sure, that's usually your spirit telling. You know the difference between you're not sure down here. And somebody's giving you, well, what if it don't work out? There's a difference between fear and doubt. Right. Found that? Mm-hmm. Now here's God's faith. God faith, just this whole thing that Jesus just said is really this, that He called those things that be not as though they were. Because everything He said was past tense. Look over in Romans 4. I think I have a slide for this. Yeah, there it is. Romans 4, 16 and 17. Because Jesus said, here's, here's the mechanics of faith. That you call those things to be not as though they were. We're almost done, but I want to get through this because we're right into it now. We've got ten more minutes. Is that alright? Okay. Therefore it is of faith. So what are we talking about? Faith. That it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only them which are of the law, Remember the written law. Who is that? That's the Old Testament saints. But to who? But also them which are of the faith of Abraham, which is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed even God. Now he's going to tell us two things about God. God is what? Quickens the dead and He calls those things with be not as though they were. What we got now, I got, this is the other part of the faith, the mechanics of faith. When you do get rhema, when you finally get rhema on something, like I'm healed, healing belongs to me, you call those things that be not as though they were. You don't call those things that are as though they were not. Now, we got a little test. Go to the next one, Mandy. Here's a test. You all write down, You just remember your answers. A or B, Okay. Here's our call those things that be not as though they were test. Don't shout out your answers. Just write them down right there. Keep them in your head, A or B, and at the end we'll give you a score. Okay? Here it is. Is this calling those things that be not as though they were? My knee isn't hurt, and I'm not in pain, A. Or B, my knee is healthy. I refuse pain. Don't shout it out. (laughs) All right, number two. Question two. Call those things that be not as though they were test. My bills aren't past due. My bills are paid, A or B. Go to the next one. Number three. My checking account isn't empty or my checking account is full? A or B. Next one. Y'all getting the point yet? Question number four. Call those things as B-not as though they were. I'm not sick or I'm healthy. I'm talking about God's faith. Go to the next one. Number five. I don't have problems in relationships. I have good relationships. Y'all starting to see the difference in this? Go to the next one. Question six. My kids aren't rebellious. Uh huh. You ever seen them little maggots? No, this one. B. My kids are willing and obedient. Do you see the difference? I mean, one of them's a lie, and one of them is God faith. Go to the next one. Question seven. I'm not selfish, or I put what God wants before what I want. One's a lie, one's God faith. Some say, well, I'm not selfish. One's a lie, one's God's faith. God's faith. Question eight. I don't have any problems with my boss. I have supernatural and common favor with my boss. You guys seeing the difference in these statements? One's faith, and one, one's real faith, one's fake faith. One's calling those things to be not as though they were, the other one is denying. Go to the next one. Question nine. I'm not addicted to that, whatever it is, Oreos or whatever you put. Or I'm free from anything controlling me. This sounds like semantics, but it's huge. Because one's a lie, and one is you calling those things that be not as though they were having God faith. This is the mechanics of faith. Go to the next one. I don't have a problem. There is no problem. That problem is solved, B, and all the promises are yes and amen in Him. Is this helping you any? Because what you'll think you'll be in faith, and really what you're doing is being in denial. Go to the next one. I'm not poor. Some people, well, I'm not. Well, then say this next one. I'm rich. I'm very rich. I mean, you know, compared to Warren Buffett, I'm poor. If you look at it naturally, can I get there? Yeah, but not by saying denying that I'm not poor. Well, i got all my stuff taken care of. Are you rich? Are you very rich? Then start saying that one. Go to the next one. It's not dark out there. Be. Light be. This is God faith. Remember Genesis 1-1? I got Genesis 1-3. I got it from the literal translation. This is what it said. And God said, light be, and there was light. He didn't look out the windows and say, it's not dark outside. And then all of a sudden the earth was created and light was come out of darkness. You see the difference? Go to the next one, Manny. Denying is lying. Write that one down. This is the two rules of faith I want you to know for today. Trying is dying. And denying is lying. I'm starting to sound like a Baptist minister, but I wanted to make it easy for you, as easy as I could make it. If you deny something, it's a lie. You're not. It's not faith. I'm not sick. As you're like coughing up lung biscuits. <laughs> no, no, I'm not sick. Obviously, something's wrong. There's a difference between saying that and saying, I'm healed. Right. Now, this is not semantics. This is, this is how you keep yourself on the right track. Don't say, I'm sick. Say, I'm fighting off something.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: This is mechanics of faith. Right. You catch a healing. Think up different creative ways to say it. Because you've got to live in the real world and you cannot say, I'm not sick when obviously you are. Because that's a lie. What you want to do is say that I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. Do you see the difference? Same thing with your finances? Same thing in relationships? Well, I don't have any problems in my relationships. Well, you'd be the first one. Well, how about with Jesus? Was everything smooth in His life? He never had any problems with Mary and Martha and none of that, although you know, of course he did. Even Jesus had to deal with people and relationships that weren't always just yeah flowers and you know, candy and chocolates and. But we wanted to get them to move to where we want to have no problems with them. We do that by not denying we don't have problems. We do that by saying you know what. The word says that when I follow God, that I'm walking in love towards everybody. Word says that when I communicate with God that my love relationship is better with Him so maybe I could apply that to each other and we communicate better, we'll have a better love relationship with each other. Including whoever it is. Your boss. You know, I always thought familiarity breeds contempt. I don't believe that. I believe lack of familiarity breeds contempt. If you know my heart, if you know my heart, it'd be easier for you to give me a free pass. If I know your heart, I can give you a free pass on whatever you made a mistake on. Because I know, hey, I have bad days, you have bad days. No, I know them. Yeah. This thing you know. They're just having a bad day or whatever. They're just having a rough spot in their life. You get a free pass if I know your heart. I get a free pass if you know my heart. That's a, that's a key to having good relationships. That's what all this stuff is. Don't deny it, because denying's lying. And don't try it, because trying's dying. that help anybody today? Because it helps me. It helps keep you in the fight, which we'll talk about coming up next. Because the fight's coming... Whenever you do finally get in faith, hell don't want you believing nothing. They do not want you believing. He'll give you maybe a week to play this faith thing out. Oh, go ahead. You can believe that for a little while. And then after about a week, He'll be like, "Now nah, we ain't having that. Amen. Y'all stand to your feet with me and pray and dismiss. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for Your Word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, bring it back to our remembrance. Let's remember these two little things. They seem goofy, Father, but... They'll just help us so much. If you could just uh, bring it back to our remembrance when they're in the middle of uh, real-time fights that we don't deny stuff, that we, we, we want to hook up with you and call those things to be not... We want to say it how we want it to be, not how it is or how it isn't. How we want it to be. Father, and That we don't. if we doubt that we just put the brakes on, we don't jump into anything, Father, we don't want to just try stuff out. We don't just want to attempt this and attempt that because it'll blow up in our face. I thank You, Father, for sealing this Word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: amen.